you ready for cocktails and conversation? This is Herspiration Happy Hour. Happy Wednesday! Welcome to another episode of Herspiration Happy Hour, Season 5. This is Episode 8. At least I do remember which episode we're on now. Uh, this, is your, this is your unapologetic diva, Dr. G. This is your girl, T. Weezy. And this is uh, Louisa O'Hara, a.k.a. the Blue Phoenix Ladies. Guess what we are drinking on tonight? We have a Cosmic Cosmo, a.k.a. White Cranberry Ginger Cocktail. So we have vodka, white cranberry juice, uh, corn trail triple set, ginger syrup, lime juice, and a pinch of edible glitter. Well, it makes it pretty. So you add all all the ingredients to a cocktail shaker and fill it with three-fourths um, fill it three-fourths with ice, shake until chilled, and strain into martini glass, and garnish with the lime and cranberry. Sounds good. Sounds good. Oh, man. So every Wednesday, we, of course, pick our WCWs, and I'm trying to switch to put my earpiece on, so this is going to be, I'm gonna ha- I might have to wait on that. Um, and we, we celebrate women every Wednesday who are out here making a difference out here, changing the world that we live in and doing some just amazing things. So who wants to go first? I'll go first. Um, I actually, does anybody remember the Watergate mm-hmm. controversy? Well, we had the young lady who was a um, congresswoman at the time doing the Watergate scan- uh, scandal. Her name is Barbara Jordan. Um, she was a politician and an educator, and she was born in 1936. She passed away in 1996. Uh, she actually helped thrust, I mean, you know, the Watergate scandal helped thrust her into the national spotlight. Uh, while she was sitting on the House uh, Judiciary Committee, the Congresswoman eloquently explained why she supported articles of impeachment against Richard Nixon, which was really cool because in 1990, hold on. 1972, I'm sorry, uh, Barbara Jordan and Andrew Young Jr. became the first African-American elected to Congress in the 20th century, rather. So on top of her being on the committee, uh, she also spoke against Richard Nixon during the Watergate scandal. So that's how she became well-known. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Well, I guess I will go next. I chose to this time um, Mary Church Terrell. And so we often talk about, you know, it's Black History Month and we there's a lot of times we talk about slavery and all of these other things. But one thing that was interesting about her, she was an activist and a suffragist. But unlike many of the American, the African-American female change makers that people always discuss, she actually came from a very affluent background because her father was one of the South's first um, black millionaires. And so she used oh. that as leverage to, you know, to fight racial injustice. And so an acquaintance of hers was lynched in Memphis because his business was successful. And so she focused on raising up African-Americans by the means of education and community activism. So she used her, her fluency to help social justice. And this was, she was born in 1863 and died in 1954. 
So we don't really hear very much about affluent black people in the South. No, during that time. Really don't. Uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, and we look at it, 1954 was, it, well, it feels like a long time from now, but still that during that time, there was a black, she, uh, the first black billionaire in the South. And in back then, as far, you know, as far back as then. So I think that that's something really great to highlight for today's show. And that's just 60 something years ago. That's not that long ago. Exactly. No. So just yeah. to know that we had a, 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 bil a millionaire that in the South during during that time is I, I never even knew that. That's like, um, well, I'm gonna just piggyback a little bit off of what you said, like millionaire, Madam C.J. Walker. Now I'm gonna use her today as my woman crush Wednesday. That just triggers something for me. Thank you, Dr. P. Um, every time I think about Madam C.J. Walker, and it's funny, I thought about her because my niece is actually going to wear, well, be her for this month before the month ends. And um, my sister asks, which outfit should she wear? Which kind of costume? So the one I chose, she had on business attire with a little top hat. And she's like, why do you want her to wear that? I said, because she was a businesswoman. She poured into other women and she wanted them to all be independent, how she became, you mm -hmm. know, she she saw something, a product, and she was so passionate about it and she perfected and she worked hard for it, ups and downs and went through so many things. I don't know if you guys saw the documentary um, with Octavia uh, Spencer yeah. on Netflix. I absolutely love that movie. It's so inspiring of the strength oh my God, of wanting something so bad and not stopping until you get it. This woman worked tirelessly with so many no's and so many men against her and the women too, but just not giving up. And I think that's something that we could take from her, the strength of wanting something so bad, setting a goal and saying, hey, I'm gonna stick with it until the end. And she, she became a millionaire, a self-made millionaire. And she was willing to help other people. And that's what it's all about. Once we learn and acquire something, the level of knowledge, we need to spread that so we all can grow. So I love that. And service. Yeah. Yeah, definitely love that. So, you know, ladies, today's show is going to be quite interesting. And of course, Cortina is going to join us when she can, uh, given this is actually her specialty field. Uh, our guest today, uh, when she comes on, but we can talk about it anyway, because, you know, we've had these conversations about open relationships and, and other things. But our guest today is a sex educator. She, even though she's not licensed, but she's still a sex educator. So I just thought, wow, that's kind of... You know, really right up our alley if you tune in for some of our after chats. I know. I remember, I think we had one show where we was talking about whether size mattered or not. Oh yeah, we did. We did. <laughs> yeah. we, did. we had a show talking about if, if the peen size matters. Um, so this is, today is going to be quite, <laughs> quite peen, yeah, if the peen size mattered. So it's going to be a, a good chat today, you know, when we talk about so many things that's going on, especially during the pandemic. And I tell you what, people were sexing up a storm during the pandemic because it's a lot of pandemic babies yeah. being, <laughs> being a born. Lot of Look, but I, I actually wonder, and I, this is a question I'm going to ask for, you know, Cortina when she comes on, is, you know, what 
drives people to decide to go to to sex therapy or feel like they need sex education? Mm. That's a good question. I was about to assume, but I want to hear a real answer. <laughs> what did you? Okay, uh, what were you saying, Louisa? Can you re? Can you re-ask the question? Well, I'm just wondering what you know. What prompts people to decide to go to either sexual therapy or to go for sexual education? I think that, uh, especially for a lot of couples who feel like maybe there's something missing or they feel that um, they need a little bit more help or sometimes it's things within a person that they don't know how to express to their partner and going to a sex therapist or um, a counselor or whatever will help you express yourself. And it'll also help the other person to accept it. Cause sometimes you can tell somebody, Oh, I want you to choke me. What? You know, right. I use that because that's kind of, you know, more, not advanced, but you know, for somebody to say, I want you to choke me, you're like, what do you, why do you want me to do that? But it's a key. That's a more advanced though. <laughs> uh, that's not advanced. Does, Does that mean you? something that you want to be choked? It's yeah, like, okay. it's, it's like, okay, so just like being spanked or different things like that. I want to be tied up. I want to be handcuffed. I want to, you know, you tell somebody this stuff and if they're not used to hearing it or they're quote unquote, what they call vanilla, which is not a bad thing. That's just what they call people who are not into kinks and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. They oh, will look at you weird. They're called vanilla? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. In, in a lifestyle, quote unquote. Lifestyle, that's a lifestyle, lifestyle term. And I don't like that term vanilla because that doesn't mean that you're plain. It just means that you're not into doing certain things that they would be into. So if you're with somebody who's not into that or doesn't know that they're into it, they will look at you weird and may shut you out. And it may make you feel bad for wanting those experiences and wanting them with wanting that experience with them. So they will go to a sex therapist or a counselor or whatever to help them explain this to their partner. And then the, the counselor will sit and give like homework for the couple mm -hmm. so they can work on this goal because sometimes it's not that the sex is bad or the connection isn't bad. It's the communication and and the understanding of what this person likes, what this person doesn't like. And sometimes people don't even know what they like, but they're so closed off because everything seems crazy. So I think that would be one reason as to why you go to sex therapist. Another reason would probably be to help if you had sexual traumatic experiences. Oh, well, yeah, that's, that's, that's traumatic. Yeah. So did you all, did you know, I, I, I don't know if I shared the video with you all, but, um, but there is a class that's called Writing for Rookies that teach women how to ride. Oh, yeah. I is think I've uh, seen that video. Is it Taomi or something? Omi? Um, oh, no, not the one you were talking about. No, this is different. I, I remember seeing that. I've seen that. that. And it was like a lot of women in it's one room. One. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and they had their pillows and they they were like humping and whatnot. But yeah, but it's so funny because a pillow is not the same. Well, you, you know what I'm saying. Really, I can I can see it being good exercise for the knees. Yeah, true, true, true. You know, keep the mag knees going. You know, I shared it with you all, so you all can go in and get it. Okay. <laughs> but what? Why are you laughing to see what? No, I'm just thinking about this because when you just mentioned. There's another sexologist that um, I'm aware of, and we follow each other on uh, Twitter. Her name is Tayomi Morgan. 
but she's a sexologist and she have all types of classes. She also teaches how to ride. She teaches how to do everything. And um, no lie, I was interested in going to see, not that, I don't know. I just was curious. I'm curious. I'll, hey, ain't I'll nothing wrong with trying to perfect and stuff or learn new things or, you know, get a little workout. I know, right? So, I mean, it's like pole fit. I love pole fit. I love pole fit so much so that I was flipping up a pole and tore my there's some cartilage in my right hip. So that ended my my pole fit time. Oh um, no, yeah, ma'am. Yeah, I had a ball when I was doing the class, but yeah, it's good for core. It's absolutely good for core. You so, can do you can do the yoga. You know they have pole yoga. Oh, do that. I've done it and it works the crap out of I'm telling you, I gotta go back because I felt so good afterwards, but it works your behind. Okay, well <laughs> that's good to know. That's, that's absolutely good to know. So I can um, you know, check out pole yoga. So we our guest is, has arrived, y'all. And so we're gonna bring bring her up here. Good evening. Hello. Hi. Hello. Hi. How are you? doing well how are you good 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 so you hear me okay yeah i do hear you okay you're kind of a little bit staticky but we have with us you are kendra hardy and or am i getting feedback oh can you hear me yes okay so introduce yourself to our audience and and I mean, because we definitely want to get into the chat because you have two very different and unique businesses that are things that you do. So we're going to talk about how, how you went from one to the other. Understood. Well, my name is Kendra. Um, I go by She Dope. That is my business name and trademark. So, yeah, I am. I, there's a lot that I do. It's not a a one category thing. I go from sex educator to adult groomer, uh, catering, meal prep, uh, special effects, makeup, fuzzy slides, gummy shots, anything you need. She can pretty much do it because she dope. Interesting. Very interesting. So what, what prompted the, um, the dog grooming? I'll start with that first. Um, well, someone tricked me into dog grooming. I started working at a pet store and I got another opportunity to do, um, be a manager at another store. And they was like, oh, I have another opportunity where you can make more money and you seem creative so you can like perfect your craft also. I'm like, okay, cool. Not telling me that it was going to take almost a year for all of this to happen, but yeah, seven years, well, Oh, wow. About seven, eight years later, still doing it. Nice. Very nice. And so how long have you been a, a, a sex educator? Um, about two to three years. Okay. And so what does that, what do you offer like classes? Is it one-on-one? -on -one? Okay. So I'm going to start off by saying um, when I am a sex educator, however, I wouldn't say I'm like a certified sex educator. I don't consider myself a therapist or anything of sorts. I am a guide. I'm a guide to sexual satisfaction. So I don't want that to be confused with anyone. I can't help you on like your underlining issues, but I can give you my insight on it. I give my input based off of knowledge and experience. So I do do research off um, something I, if 
someone comes to me with a topic that I have no idea what's going on with it, I will do research so I can get to know that information on it. But I go by based off of experience and the knowledge that I already have. Because uh, what got me into that, uh, um, so I went through a lot of sexual trauma um, throughout my life. And through, from that trauma, I went through a phase of hypersexuality. So I went through experiencing different things unbeknownst to me that it became, it was an addict, it was um, an addiction brought off by the trauma that I experienced. So I was thinking to myself like, geez, like you have a lot of information to give because a, um, a old coworker of mine, she wanted to go down on a guy um, that she was dating and she didn't have the knowledge of it. So I, um, every day we would come to work and I give her like, more tips or things to do and whatnot. And she was like, you know, you should, you know, consider this because you really helped me with this. And I was like, you know, sounds good. Okay. So, so how do you, how do people like connect with you? Or is it just, you know, is it word of mouth? Do you promote that? You know, do you have video content so that you're sharing information about what you know so people come to you? Um, so I have a Instagram page. I do have video content on different topics. I'll tell a story if, um, uh, depending on what the topic is, if I have an experience with it, I tell a story based off of that experience, or I'll just give general knowledge on just how to do different things. Like, I don't want to, like, deter the audience, but, like, how to squirt, how to go down, how to create a dental dam, how to, um, like, proper ways to put a condom on, like different little things. She also has a podcast. Yes, I also, yes, I also do have a podcast. I have a sex positive podcast. It is on Spotify. It is called She Dope Presents Gut. So, yeah. Available on Spotify. Okay, all right. So, so, so trust me, our audience, it's this is a very transparent. You have whatever kind of conversations you want. I can, when I post it, I do let people know if it's censored for kids, if it's not appropriate for kids. So, you know, hey, so this is a disclaimer, you all. If you are watching right now and you're around kids, you might want to either shut the, the volume down and come back and listen later. <laughs> Um, so when people come to you, what's the, what's the most people come to you for? Like, is there any particular area uh, in your, in your sex education or discussions or, you know, do people come to you for like writing? Is it oral? Is it? It's a lot of people come for the same thing. Oral, um, get occasionally writing, always get like wording and anal. So a lot of people are just, uh, and it's like a lot of people are interested in these certain topics. It's not just, oh, one topic. Every now and then I'll get like um, a good topic or, or no, also add to that threesomes. People always want information on that. And it's mainly guys versus females on that one. Oh, okay. Tessina, why are you looking like that? <laughs> You're you're muted. <laughs> I'm over here talking my tail off. Oh my goodness. Um, when you mentioned guys ask about threesomes more, so I'm like, hmm, what do they ask? What do they want to know about them? Guys always want a 
every guy's just major fantasy is it's to have two women. yes two women but um they want to know oh how to make this happen like you have to talk to your partner you can't just do it because oh you're you want to do it your partner has to be the one basically to initiate it and you don't want to put it in her mind and then she feels uncomfortable with it or force her into it and then she feels uncomfortable so it's all about and a lot of women don't want to share so you got to make your partner comfortable you have to create some stability within your relationship in order for them to want to bring someone else into that because you can't bring someone into a broken foundation and then there's room for worse keep you out of there hmm. you know what i yeah. find speaking of threesomes this is what i hear when i listen to like these sexual conversations you know we have amongst um, our friends and stuff is most men want to have this experience with two women but what about one woman and two men exactly. do you ever get these types of inquiries? I do, and it's often, it's it's a taboo to some people. It's very, uh, it's not the norm. So people see it as a negative thing, but just mm -hmm. like, oh, a man wants, like I said, a man wants two women. Why can't a woman have two men without it being, oh, such a double standard with that? But, mm -hmm. oh, because women are so sensitive and, oh, she's automatically a, a lower person because of that. I'm like, no, women are very strong. And honestly, for a woman to do that, that's a very strong woman. Like, because we go through a lot. Having regular sex versus having sex with two people, like, I feel time. it's all equal at the end of the day. I don't put anyone on a pedestal. Everyone is all equal. Yeah. I okay. like that aspect. Did you did you have something you wanted to say, Louisa? Oh no, I'm just listening. I know I know a lot of stuff. Um and so this is not new to me. And I already know her. So uh Pam, uh uh. Don't be doing it. Okay. We'll, we'll talk later, but still. So I don't really have many questions. What does that mean? Clutching your pearls? What's that? She got five kids. Tell so. me to stop. I'm just saying you have five kids, so I'm shoot. Look, she knows what she doing. Get right, right. So you said that you had some childhood, you had some sexual trauma that you had to overcome. Yeah. Did you have to overcome those things before you decided to? you know, to do sexual, anything sexual, sexual education, or you use that as a part of therapy, just like, you know what, I have to normalize it for myself because I, in order to deal with my trauma. In order to be able to comfortably educate people on certain topics, I had to heal from the things that I went through so I can give them the best experience or give them the knowledge that I have without been, without being triggered myself and feeling uncomfortable and then just going into just a black hole because I feel a certain way and aren't able to service them because, oh, I have something that I have within me that hasn't been healed. So, yeah, in order to give people that information, I had to do some inner work and get that taken care of so I can give my best. Okay. Very and that makes sense with um, any aspect of 
I think education, especially sexual, because sexual not only is a physical offense, it's a mental, emotional, and spiritual offense as well. So I understand her having to go through some form of healing in order to share that part because things are going to come up and you don't realize that um, it's going to affect you. The triggers. So, yeah, the triggering. The, and, and you can have positive triggers and negative triggers. But the negative triggers are the ones that um, stunt your growth. So it's important to do. Yeah. Tessina, why are you looking looking like that? What what um I just had a trigger, but uh -huh. it brought me to um a sexual partner that I thought I was addicted to. We had an addiction to each other. So wow. and I identified that that was a soul tie for real because it was nothing else but that. And when we were together, it was just uncontrollably. It was insane. And so I had to step outside myself and say, this is not healthy. No, ma'am. Like, no, you got to gain control of your body, you know, and heal from that because it was toxic. Mm -hmm. It was just toxic, you know. So that's interesting. I've healed from that. I, mm -mm. It's just not healthy at all. So let me ask you this, um, Kendra. Sexes, I mean, they're 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 even younger kids now having sex. How do you or what is your thoughts on is there a certain age when parents should start having conversations with their children? Because I mean, if one, you kind of they don't have they don't have like traumatizing things happen to them that's going to make them feel either shame around it or anything else like that. And, and Louisa, you want to, you can answer that for me too. At what age did you start having sexual conversation with your kids? So I'll Kendra, you answer that first. Is there an age that you think it's the best to start having dialogue with, with children regarding sex? I believe, um, it's no exact age. It's about about knowing your child, so to say, and paying attention to what they are doing or what they notice, what they're um, interacting with, what they're watching on their phones or TV. But uh, I believe at a young age, every child should be taught body autonomy. This is your body. No mm -hmm. one can touch it without your without your consent. They should be taught consent also because everybody should have permission in order to touch you or you to touch them it's like i don't like uncomfortable um situations for children oh go hug uncle uncle mook mook like what if i don't want to hug uncle mook mook like so yeah i believe body autonomy should be taught first um later on in life um i don't think you should push the uh, topic of sex education onto a child because then if you push that topic they're going to be interested in that topic and they're going to want to exper experiment with what they've learned so um i can't say wait for the child to come to you because you're the parent so they're not going to always want to come to you with something so personal and uncomfortable so just like give little hints of um, oh if you ever want to know something yeah or take notice of, like I said, what they're watching, because it's a very sexual world that we live in. It's a lot that kids are being exposed to. Just off watching TV, even cartoons these days are kind of questionable. So you got to just pay, keep mind of that. 
And then when the age comes when, oh, they're hiding their phone, they're in the bathroom a little bit too long, like, okay, so we need to have this conversation. So you can be aware so I can feel comfortable and you can feel comfortable. And if you have questions, you can come to me or or someone versus, oh, going to your peers. And they're like, oh, what's that? Oh, I got one. You want to see it? Like, yeah. Okay. Louisa, how old were your kids when you started having the conversation? Okay. So I start off really early as far as um, talking about the body with my children. Um, really, really early. So when I start potty training, we start having those conversations. Um, when they have like, okay, so I have five children and it's, I have two sets of the kids that are two years apart. So of course they're growing up together, they're going to see different things. And so I always talk to them. Um, so my children, I don't give little nicknames. You have a vagina, you have a penis. You have testicles, you have, but you know, I've always, you have, this is your chest area. I've always been very specific with them because my mom was like that with me. I was five or six years old and my mother drew the whole anatomy of a woman and a man. And we had sex education in our room with <laughs> my mother. So, I, I, I think it's just a pen. Well, see, I knew early, but like we didn't, she didn't go specifically, you put the penis here. No, yeah, but what it was, was yeah, I knew what it was. And I, and she would watch us in the same way I do with mine. I watch or I listen to their conversations or when they start developing, we have conversations and, and like, I let them know that this is your body as far as masturbation, you know, like I tell because uh, a few of them I notice explore, you know, do different things. And I'm like, okay, but this is your body. This is never blah, blah, blah. If you feel like this is what you, you want to touch yourself, okay, I understand because this is a part of your body of exploration. You also have to learn privacy. You also have to be mindful of other people. Uh, another thing, too, with, with Kendra talking about technology, my children were introduced to porn fairly early because of their dad watching on his phone and he used to let them get on his phone. And so, yeah, they just pissed me off. I wanted to kill him so bad. So because they were introduced <laughs> early, I had to go and, and talk to them about what they saw and why they didn't say anything because you know, you know you're not gonna be watching that and what did you notice and what did you see and different things. So it's like, I, I have to, look at each child because of course everyone is an individual and they blossom at own separate times but i start from early on when they start potting no one is supposed to touch you nobody's supposed to see you no one is supposed to uh put their hand here or their mouth here you're not supposed to put your hand in your mouth or your pen you know anything and and i'm very specific to the understanding of i mean to the point of their understanding you know so wow that's so interesting, you know, but it's not unusual. And the reason why I ask about the appropriate age, and I mean, I think Cortina and I, and me, you and Cortina had a conversation before because Cortina started talking to her daughter very young about body positivity and all of those things. Uh, and Cause she's, uh, she's getting her PhD in sexology. So the, if people watch the news and, you know, and, even when I was, you know, remember being in, I was out of high school at the time, but uh, kids in elementary school 
I remember a, a case that happened that two children was put off the bus for performing oral sex in the back, a girl to a boy, like elementary school age, like I think between nine and 10 years old. That's, that's almost disturbing that children that young would know such an act. Mm -hmm. they Correct. And but you have some parents that refuse to have conversations with their children and kind of turn a blind eye to it instead of having those those uncomfortable conversations. They're uncomfortable, but they are necessary. And so do people come to you, Kendra, to even help have conversations with their kids at all? Just as they say, oh, well, I'm, I'm nervous to talk to my kid, but my kid was saw me <laughs> in the act, walked in or bust in or whatever. Um, and then how do you handle those, those kind of situations? So I actually have been asked, um, and, um, a friend of mine, she was nervous talking to her son about it. She's like, oh, cause he's a boy. I don't want to like make it seem like, oh, mom, you're gross. Like you just gotta talk to him like he's a regular person. Like I, it, uncomfortable conversations are necessary they're definitely necessary and you just gotta talk to him about it and because um she noticed uh um i think on his phone or his computer that he was watching for him because i think around the age of like 10 ish that's usually around that time where they get to explore because they're starting into their levels of puberty so not that hard. It's just go to get some ice cream and just bring it up like casual conversation because it's going to be uncomfortable for both of you, but it's necessary so you can have this conversation, get it out the way because you don't want, like I said, you don't want him to learn from his peers or mm -hmm. learn from just what he sees on the internet and then boom, next you know consequences that you have to deal with. Oh, someone's pregnant. Oh, someone has an, um, S, like an STI or something. So have those conversations, make them aware of these things so they can have the knowledge versus trying to get it from an external source because they're not going to always get the best um, knowledge that you could give them. And you're being, you're the parent. You're kind of the reason they're here. So let them know these things. Especially like girl, because when I grew up, I didn't get the knowledge that I, um, uh, the knowledge that I have now. I didn't get that at home. I had, I got that knowledge from um, external sources. And honestly, and mainly um, from like watching movies and stuff. I used to hang out with my dad a lot. So we would watch movies and he would watch, um, he, he, he was a grown man. So he would watch the movies that he wanted to watch. I was tagging along, so I would watch the movies too. Um, when I was five, my favorite movie is pur was Purple Rain. So that's kind of horrible. Me too! <laughs> Baby! And I still love it. <laughs> yeah, Purple Rain, and then later on it was Booty Call. And that was just a horrible movie for a child. I can't get I into Booty Call. <laughs> Me either. Just don't hold my attention. But go ahead. He, he, he would watch a lot of black movies, so I... I saw a lot of movies I wasn't supposed to see. And I got knowledge from those movies. And then having peers and would learn from them also. And I wasn't getting the proper knowledge that I was supposed to get. So I, during that time in my life, I was interested in what I was seeing. Because um, around that time, about five, six, I was assaulted. 
so that mm-hmm. brought on my on um my curiosity so to say so it's like okay so this is supposed to be a good thing okay so it, and like later on in life i realized that this is not a good thing you know, this wasn't supposed to happen because when that happened i didn't take it as a bad thing at that moment from watching what i saw on tv hearing stories at school and whatnot i'm like okay so this is the good thing this person likes me maybe i don't know mm. so it was very confusing but it doesn't talk to your child so you don't so no one else has to groom your child so let me ask you a question uh, from something that you said like children can watch things and and they're learning from all of these external things is what is i guess false that they would see that wouldn't be accurate you, you know what I'm saying? Because if they're, if they're saying like, oh, they're learning from other people and not you being able to talk about those things, is that still them really learning things that are not correct? Uh, I wouldn't say that they would be learning things that are not correct, but every source isn't always a good source. All information isn't good information. So even if they get that outside information, you can still add your input in it or take some of their input out of it. Cause like people, um, I knew a person who said they got, they didn't learn anything about sex. They learned sex through porn. And I'm like, that's not how you should relate that, uh, relate that to your sex life as, you know, going forward. Cause obviously that's not realistic. So you don't want to be there comparing what you see on porn to what you, put into your actual sex life okay so it's always the context okay ladies you have you have any questions you all be quiet up there oh i have a question oh go ahead i'm talking about louise up there she like "Mm," all quiet when you were talking about um talking to kids like when well you asked the question when you should um like inform your kids about sex like what do you talk to them about have you ever had to educate a child and i've been in the company of someone with a teenager a female teenager and this teenage girl is heavily sexual but not in a a good way and this child has been, I guess she's hypersexual, hypersexual, and she's not responsible. She's still a child. She's like in the eighth or ninth grade. And she's been videoed already. Um, I hate to say promiscuous, but it's more than three guys already, at least, but to be so young. So how would a parent talk to their daughter? Like what could a parent say to their child that has been so experienced already they i feel that they should have this discussion with her because why is she so active at such a young age like did something cause this or did she just say oh this is good i want to keep going with yes that's what it was then if because you can't be a strict parent. If you shut her away and you become too strict and too um, overbearing and protective, she's going to want to rebel and to do more and to do it worse and to just make the most of it. Um, 
educate her on on ways to be safe and to protect herself and to I hate to say it like that, but to birth control. Yeah, that and become more responsible with it because I don't feel that she that it's not right that she's having sex with multiple people at such a young age. Yeah, because consequences happen. Even like and I don't want to say, oh, if you don't care, then you shouldn't care, but educate her as much as possible. Like, can't lock her away. It's just going to make it worse. And you can't, can't praise what she's doing because then she's going to think there's nothing wrong with it. Just educate her as much as possible. Let her know that, yeah, we don't agree with what you're doing, but be safe about it. Because... Mm-hmm. Can you afford to take care of a child? What would you do if you happen to catch an SDI? There's some things out here. Everything isn't curable. Right. So, and everybody isn't meant to touch you, be inside of you. Mm-hmm. You're carrying that person around. So, yeah. yeah. I have talked to someone. Um, I have talked to a teenager about sex. Um, because a friend of mine, he's a single, he's a single dad, and his daughter is a teenager. And he, it was around the time she started her cycle. He didn't know what to do, how to have this conversation. Just like on Holiday Heart, when um, when the girl got her period, and her father was all confused. It was kind of in that situation. She got her period. He didn't know what to do. Like you know, I know you talk to people about stuff, so please talk to her. And, Honestly, that's a good time to start because, yeah, you're talking to them about their cycle. So it's going to stem on to conversations about more and what happens during your cycle, what your cycle is about. It's going to be with you for the rest of your life, minus if you're having a kid or get birth control. It can change. It's never the same. So let me let me put on my Cortina hat for a minute. <laughs> so because I also, you know, for the audience that's watching and the audience that's listening, I, I do want to cover one thing here, especially with the situation that you mentioned, um, Tessina. Hypersexual behavior is completely normal, if it, especially if it's a hormonally driven uh, occurrence or, or a situation that's happening with that child. It's, it's better to teach children how to be responsible and you help them be responsible. And then you also allow get, get them to talk to somebody because sometimes they're, if they're not touched and it's just a desire, a sexual desire that they have because they either stimulated themselves, they like how it feel, they had that experience, it matched it. And, and that's what they have. So when people become nymphomaniacs and, and want to ha- and have these hypersexual desires, it's almost like fetishes. People have fetishes from when they're small children sometimes, and they grow up with those same things, especially once your hormones and everything start happening. So body chemicals are going to, you know, it's, as they're going into puberty, that's going to be completely normal. So. But as a parent, you have to be responsible to teach your children or child to be responsible with those emotions and those feelings, not cover it up, not make them feel shame over it. Uh, because a lot of times with those, when they have shame, 
it causes um, trauma essentially. And, and, and they carry that trauma into relationships because they feel shame around body image, around sex. I can't do these different things. And that's not something that you want to build healthy dialogue. And if you cannot find a specialist, a sexologist or a sexual therapist that can help your child understand and process those desires and urges that they are having. So I'm going to, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I'm saying, but that's what I would say on that rather than look at it as in it's a negative thing that this child is in eighth or ninth grade and she's hypersexual. That's a normal thing because of a chemical balance in their body or something. You know what I'm saying? So just, just wanted to put that out there. Go ahead. I'm going to piggyback off you because I started developing at six and I had very strong hormones. I hadn't been touched. I, I was raped at 15. But before that, I had a very hypersexual energy. You know, I never bothered, you know, um, with t bothering with a boy or girl or anybody because I just did not want to. But I had very, very high sexual energy within myself. And I didn't understand it. I couldn't talk to my mom about it, though she talked to us about sex. I just felt like it was wrong because religion will mess you up too. Yeah. And so, you know, when I got older and I didn't have, well, I'll say my first sexual experience was traumatic. And then after that, it was, you know, the next sexual experience I had was with my ex-husband. Well, we were, I was 16 when, we, when I actually had sex for the first time. And, um, you know, you learn from, like Kendra was saying, what you see, what you read, what you hear, what you feel. And um, I honestly think that it is important to talk to your children. And once you start having, once they start having sex, it's very hard to get them to stop. Once they get us to stop. And it, it <laughs> so it is best to talk to them or take them to talk to someone teach them how to protect themselves and, and, you know, because we are still responsible for them regardless of what they're doing, you know, so they're an extension of us. And if you can't stop them from having physical sex, at least teach them and show them what's right and what's wrong. Yeah. And children are, are, it's very common for children to start masturbating at a very young age as well and not still understand why they're doing it question on that so if a child is masturbating like early on in their childhood would that create a hypersexuality type of personality trait mm, being I'm so not sure early because you're gonna i guess want to you become inquisitive right if you're starting early i'm just yeah thinking about what i'm have to go ask Cortina, that question. <laughs> I don't because I, I, I mean, but I think it could, but I, I, in a way, I think it would. Yeah, I, I think that's situational. Explore those feelings. If, oh, I'm masturbating all the time and it's becoming, I'm insatiable with it. I'm not satisfied with masturbating myself. And they get some actual sex and they just, oh, I gotta have this. this, this yeah, I want this feeling. It could possibly, if, yeah, it could possibly start something, especially if their hormones are like 
varied. Mom was all over the place. You say yours is all habitual. A lot of times, habitual behaviors are, are things that we look at and, and what's causing those things. I mean, you know, are they exposed to something that, you know, are, let's see, there's exposure, there's chemical imbalances, there's, you know, there's, there's a ton of different ways that could have people either not want to, you know, okay, like I want to try this out or this soothes me. This is how I soothe myself. It doesn't necessarily mean that they're hypersex. They become hypersexual. Sometimes that's just their way of, of coping. That's like people with with Food, weird fetishes. Drugs, yeah, weird all fetishes. That, yeah. yeah. So yeah. So, but just like fetishes, girl. When I was going to school and I did um, a class on abnormal, you know, abnormal psychology, girls, and they got to the fetishes. I was like, whoa, okay. Sure, that was interesting. Oh, it was. I mean, so that's the thing. It's like not only are you looking at the root cause, but you're looking at the actions that they're doing to be satisfied. I mean, like we know um, necrophilia, you know, people who sleep with dead people. We know that that's not normal, but we have to go back. And if that person goes to therapy, it's like, well, when did this start? Where did that desire come from? That kind of thing. So, <laughs> yeah, you, you just never know. You, you never know. People who like to sleep with animals. Where did that start? It's it's all of those little things and those sexual behaviors that stem from their initial exposure to things. So. So, so Kendra, how can people connect with you? And thank you so much for coming on and hanging out with us for this conversation. So how can people catch up with you, uh, contact you, check out your podcast? Go ahead. Let's, let's hear it. Uh, well, all of, all of my Instagrams are right here. Um, let's see. I have cdope.nasty for my sex positive page. Cdope.craft for all my crafting, everything I like to dabble in. Um, cdope.grooming for my grooming services because I do groom I do groom cats and dogs occasionally a rabbit now and then uh, and my regular page is she.dope.s I don't want to A-S-F-C-K no you okay all right. Well, thank you so much for coming to hang out with us. We've definitely enjoyed the conversation. Thank you for your transparency and just, you know, being honest about, you know, the whole whole sexual conversation as well. So we're going to have to have you back on to have some chats. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate thank it. You, thank you, ma'am. All right. Have a great rest of your week. And you do the very same. You ladies have a wonderful week. And we you too. See All you. right. Happy belated 2-22-22. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes, yes, yeah. <laughs> Many blessings to you. All right. Have a good one. Okay. All right. That was some good conversation. Yeah, it really was. It's so funny because um, I used to, okay, so I used to write, well, I still write poems, but I used to write poetry when I was little, getting older and older and older. And my mom actually thought I was sexually active years before I became sexually active because my poems would get her hot and heavy and she go down there with my father 
Yeah. Uh-huh. She be calling her girlfriends, reading the poem to them, and they going to get hot and heavy, and I'll be in trouble. I'm like, I didn't do anything. Uh, I didn't do okay, anything. No wonder you have five kids. Hmm. Because when I started doing it, I was doing it. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but at first I wasn't. That's why I said I really, you know, that's why I understand the hormonal side of it because my hormones came and they came and I was like, what the hell is this? You know, and so that's why I talk to my children and I pay attention to them because I, I remember where I was at that age and how I felt at that age and the development and the confusion and why do I have breasts and nobody in my class have breasts. I'm in third grade with a full C cup, you know what I'm saying? So B, C, you know what I'm saying? And the and it was just, I went through it. See, I didn't have the touching, but I would get the men looking and the men trying to talk to me. And diff- like my third grade PE teacher made me do cartwheels. And before I started, I said, I don't have a t-shirt. I had a sweatsuit on. I said, I don't have an undershirt on. And my mom refused to buy me bras because she was in denial. So I had on a sweatshirt and I told him if I flip my shirt, gonna come. he said, no, it's not, no, it's not. Tuck it in. The first flip, boobs came out. Bam. He made me finish doing those flips because he wanted to see my breasts. Wow. Yes. So I had experiences like that. Of course, he was fired because my mother almost killed him. And she bought me a bunch of bras after that. But, you know, I had experiences like that. Men trying to talk to me and I'm young. Uh, men trying to, you know, my neighbors, you know, so I've had those experiences. The the sexual traumatic experience I had was at the pool. I was 15 years old and the lifeguard, I knew this lifeguard, you know, I've been going to the pool for a couple of years, knew this life, y'all, lifeguard, but it was a guy that um, tried to talk to me. So it's like they set it up. And the guy that was trying to talk to me didn't do it. The lifeguard did. And I was uh, annually raped. Oh, my God. So, yeah. So that was my first sexual experience. But when I actually started having vaginal sex, it was with my, well, he was my boyfriend at the time, my ex-husband now. And, you know, so going from having that experience from developing and dealing with older men and then having the sexual trauma and then actually having sex, it's a lot of transition. And so I'm grateful that I did not, You, our mind is a wonderful thing because it, my mind buried that trauma, though I, you know, I had a couple it, yeah. of that, yeah, mm-hmm. I had a, uh, because I actually disassociated myself when it was happening. And I actually saw what was happening. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. And so, yeah, yeah. And so after it happened, I kind of went into, I don't know, maybe a shell or something, but that was for a few days. And then I had to get back because I had a lot of responsibilities too as a teenager. But um, it never fully came. Like I told my mom it happened. I think I was 21 when I told her. I cried a little bit, but it never fully came out until I was pregnant with my fourth child, which is my son, my my second son. And the doctor, you know, was asking questions. This is a new doctor. Have you had this? No. Have you ever had sexual tra- uh, traumatic experience? I was like, no. And then as soon as I said no, all the memories flooded back. Everything flooded back. And I just broke down in in that um, office. And she referred me to a therapist. And so, um, but see, that's how we don't understand, like with with the uh, example of uh, 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 of the young lady that you're talking about, she may not have had anyone touch her because I didn't, no one ever touched me Mm -hmm. until I got 15. But her hormones, like Pam was saying, they're out of control. Mm-hmm. 
and yeah. you don't once you get that first pipe land, whether it's good or bad, <laughs> you it. whether it's good or bad, you gonna want to try again. And yeah. I, I, I was trying to, you know, not use the other word. So <laughs> <laughs> I know what you meant. I know what you meant, though. But okay, am I wrong with saying that? Once you get that first time, I mean, even if it's not good, you're like, hmm, it was weird. Let me try it again. That second time is usually pretty good. The second or the third, and you're going to keep on going. So I get it. But it's important for us to talk to our children and, and try our best to just protect them because Lord knows I got... My oldest son, he's 19. He'll be 20 this year. And he started having sex, I think, at 16. I knew it, but I, he never, like, showed me. But it's like, you can tell when your kids are changing. And I had to flat out ask him because he, I would ask him, like, no, no, no. I'm like, it talk, you know, well, I didn't even say his father's name, but I'm like, talk to him, you know. <laughs> I'm like, talk to him because I think this boy has, I don't think he has, I said, no, something is different. This boy is doing something. And so one day I had to flat out say, boy, you out here? Mm -mm. And he was like, what? I said, are you out here? Mm -mm. And he looked at me. He was like, yes. I said, see, why, why, why you lie? Because now I got to make sure. So what did you do? Did you do this? Did you protect yourself? Da -da -da -da. Where's the girl? Is she okay? And, you know, so if I'm one of those parents, we're going to have this conversation. And if you don't want to talk to me, I'm going to get grandma because grandma, dad, going to show and make sure you have a conversation. Mm -hmm. And you know, so that's just me. I pull out pictures. I'll look. You want to know what? Oh, let me draw this for you real quick. Oh, let's have this conversation. Oh, we're going to go like with the ice cream. We're going to go have this. You know, it's just different things you can do. It's harder, like you said, because it's it's you talking to your child, but you have to remember. I always put myself back in that position. And I never try to forget where I was at that age. And I think that's why it makes it easier for me because my children will come to me. I'm so grateful and so traumatized. And my children will come to me <laughs> and tell me things. And and I'm sitting there like, okay, thank you. God, I choke you. I'm going to kill you. But okay. So what are we going to do about no, nothing sexual, thankfully? But just they'll come and tell me things or they come and ask me questions because their friends may be doing it. And and or they they have an interest, and I'm like, let's let the whole come back here, sit down for a minute, cause we're not doing. Mm -mm. And so it is. Is I talk to your kids. <laughs> so I can say, <laughs> talk to your children. And if they don't, if you don't have a relationship where they can come to you, they have a relationship with somebody, somebody in your family, somebody. You know, let them. They have to have that outlet. If not, they're just gonna go out and do it. Mm -hmm. And, and be yeah. lost and just anything can happen. I think the most important part I will go back to is showing them the responsibility with sex. You know, you can't prevent them from doing it because if they're going to do it, they're going to do it yeah. regardless. Yeah. And so it's better to teach them to be responsible and what sex is supposed to be because we we it's not just good to say that's for adults. That's not that doesn't work anymore. And then the fact that more children have more ex opportunities for exposure. Yes. Yes. Than ever before. Then when all of us were coming up, we definitely didn't have that level of exposure like we do right now. And even though there's there might be um, things that might say you have to put a date in for a birthday to have access to something doesn't mean that they can't 
Oh, they lie about them. Put a day, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I think it's, it's important to have healthy dialogue now. It's more than ever with your children when it comes to sex, promiscuity, um, body image, and and just you know, just loving their body and teaching them how to love their body would also help them be responsible stewards of their body. Yes. And if they are hypersexual, then do the responsible thing and say either here, here are condoms or here is birth control. You know, or both. Yes, for seriously. So that's what that's my my spiel on that. Uh, Tessina, how can everybody be in touch with you? You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at IMTWeezy. Okay. <laughs> you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at the Blue Phoenix Hills. And also, don't be afraid to go deeper with these kids because they are very much uh, aware and intelligent enough to understand the sex, the, the spiritual side of things and the mental and emotional, physical side of things. Go on deep with these kids because they're smarter than you think. They need to know the truth. Don't be scared. <laughs> That's yeah, seriously. And of course, you can reach me on all social media platforms at I-A-M-D-R-P-G-U-R-L-E-Y. I am Dr. P. Gurley. The Herspiration brand is uh, at D-A-W Entertainment on Instagram and Herspiration Happy Hour on Facebook and Herspiration HH, I believe, is on Twitter. And, and of course, this is our, you know, we stream live from YouTube, Twitch, as well as here on Facebook every Wednesday from 7 to 8 p.m. And if you want to go back and watch it, of course, it's going to be on our YouTube channel. If you want to download it, we are on every platform for podcasting that is out there and available. And if you want to be on the show, just go to DAW Inter well, yeah, com backslash podcast and you know, there's a little button that you can click that you can be featured here. Here again, uh, get on there now because we are booked all the way out, I believe, until April right now. In which next week, our next guest will be the Blair Tate. She will be our oh. next guest next week on on Herspiration Happy Hour. Right. So, ladies, any last final words? Oh, plus hit that tip jar, www.buymeacoffee.com. HH. If you love this show, you know, come buy us a cocktail. Um, but are there any any last words that anybody wants to say before we close out the show? Have some oh. sex. Just be safe and respect. Yeah. Hey, what now? Wait a minute. You say have some good sex. Have some good sex. Safe <laughs> and responsible. Make it great. You happy in the bedroom? Be responsible and be safe. That's Tie somebody up. Tie somebody up and whip them and go on have fun. Do whatever with you need to do as long as you're not. Hey, you grown. You grown. I know. This for the adult. Go right. on and tie somebody up, okay? <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm blindfold them. No, uh, 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 I'm trying to teach y'all something real quick. Go on to toss them. <laughs> you was over here. Hold up. First of all, you was over here talking about choking not long ago. Now you got tying people up. You got choking. Hey, I'm I mean, trying to Ain't nothing like a got... man's strong hand right here. Oh, God. let me get off here because I got to go around the corner. I ain't got time for this. I ain't got time for this. All right, everybody, have a good night. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs>